and it's an honor to stand before you tonight. I want you to continue to feel what you feel in the Holy Ghost. It's not going to take me long to get to my point. And I believe that everything in this moment has been orchestrated for this time and what I have to say in the Holy Ghost tonight. The book of Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, if you have it, just shout, I got it. I got it. Amen. Mark 5 and verse, in chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately. Somebody say immediately. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man, somebody say no man, no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. But when, in verse 6 again, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Tonight I want to preach to you for just a few moments on this subject. Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. Would you help me pray right now? God, we love you. We thank you for what we feel in this room. God, we have worshiped tonight. We have sung about your name. We have, we have worshiped that name right now, God. And I pray tonight that that spirit that we feel in this room would transfer over now from worship to the word. And God, you would break every chain in this house, that you would remove every bondage in this house, that you would break every addiction, that you would open every eye. God, that you would heal every heart, that you would mend every womb by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, that name that makes the darkness tremble, that name that makes the light shine, that name that gives hope, that name that brings healing. I pray in that name right now. Somebody shouted, Jesus. Jesus. Shout it again, Jesus. Jesus. Amen and amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Seeing Jesus. I want to turn your attention to this book and this moment. I love the book of Mark because Mark writes not only in context, but he writes in detail. Most of the Bible is written in text and is not written in context, meaning 
that it is up for us to read between the lines. But in the book of Mark, he writes in context and detail, not just text. Out of all of the uh, New Testament Gospels, Mark is my favorite because Mark tells the story every little detail. He's a writer. He's almost poetic in how he writes. He writes in detail. He gives us information that no other apostle gives us. No other writer gives us the, the intricate details that Mark gives us about certain and specific stories. In this particular story in the book of Mark, when they come over the sea and they enter into the Gadarenes, Mark begins to tell us that immediately as soon as they got there, as soon as they put their foot on the ground, as soon as the boat landed, as soon as they got out of the ship, there was no hesitation. Uh, Mark is clear to write that immediately as soon as we got there, there came this man. And he, doesn't, he, not, he does not tell us of just the demoniac man. He does not just tell us that this man is possessed, but this man, he begins to detail to us, this man, that he had an unclean spirit on him. He tells us that he had his dwelling in the tombs, that he lived in the caves. Mark tells us that no man could bind him. When they would try to put chains and fetters on him, he would break the chains and they often bound him. They often caught him, often. They caught this man often. And when they would catch him, they would put chains and they would put fetters on him to try to tame him. But the Bible said that he would break them and no man could tame him. The fetters broke in pieces. No man could tame him. And he was in the mountains day and night weeping and crying. And watch what the Bible says. The Bible says that he stayed in the tombs with the dead people. And he wept and he cried and he cut himself. My, my, my. Seems like this man has a, a bad thing going for him. Something's wrong with his head. Something's wrong with his life. We don't know much about this man. We don't have much detail about his life. We don't really know where he come from. We don't really know anything about his family. Was he married? Did he have kids? Was he, uh, you know, a, a single person? Did he have any kind of position or pomp or circumstance before he became a demoniac? Did he, what, what was his past? We don't really know anything about his past. All we know is about his present and presently he is full of the devil. Matter of fact, he's so full that the devil's name is Legion. The devil is trying to kill him. The devil's trying to kill him. He's living in the tombs with the dead people. But the Bible tells us that when this man saw Jesus, when he fixed his eyes on Jesus, the devil that kept him in the tombs and the devil that kept him breaking chains and the devil that kept him bound and the devil that kept him in bondage could not keep him from worshiping Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 
I'm not going to preach very long tonight, but I'm going to preach good because I want to tell somebody in the house that I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care how bound you are. If you could ever see Jesus for who he really is, there ain't a devil in hell. There ain't an addiction. There isn't a bondage. There isn't a chain. There isn't a wound that can stop you from getting to Jesus. Can I point a few things out for you in this story? Let me point a few things out for you because I'm going somewhere. This, uh, this, this story ain't just about this. Uh, this message is just not about this moment, but I'm going somewhere tonight. But I need to take some time right here and let you know that it's interesting to me that this man worshipped Jesus and it was accounted to him as worship before he was Delivered. Oh, hallelujah. Before Jesus ever said a word, before there was ever freedom in his life, before the chains was really broken, before the devil had to be cast out into the swine, before the devil had to make his home somewhere else, this man worshiped the Lord. He worshiped him possessed. He worshiped him wounded. He worshiped him broken. He worshiped him in bondage. What are you saying? I'm saying you don't have to be delivered to worship him. Some of us come to church and we keep saying, when I get right, I'm really going to worship him. When I get it right, I'm really going to praise him. God, when you help me, I'm really going to worship you. But when you see Jesus, you don't even need to be delivered. You can worship God in the middle of your problem. You can worship God in the middle of your bondage. You can worship God in the middle of this divorce. You can worship God in the middle of this cancer. You can worship God in the middle of this pandemic. You can worship God in the middle of this political mess. You don't have to be delivered. You don't have to be free to give him praise. The devil wants to lie to you and tell you that you cannot praise him until you're perfect. But devil, you're a liar. I've always been a mess. I'm still a mess. But that's not going to stop my praise. My praise is not predicated on me being perfect. Because when I saw Jesus, I saw my help. When I saw Jesus, I saw my Savior. When I saw Jesus, I saw the only man that could bring me out and bring me in. When I saw Jesus. Somebody need to lift up your eyes tonight and see Jesus. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It is interesting to me, watch, be seated. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to preach a little while for here for a second. It is interesting to me that when the devils were cast out of the man in the book of Mark, that when they went into the swine, they immediately jumped off of the cliff. They, they entered the swine, and the first thing the swine did was run and jump off the cliff. Now, if you go back a little bit, you understand that this man was in the tombs day and night cutting himself. I believe that Legion 
was a suicidal demon. And the swine could not stop the devil from making them commit suicide by jumping off the cliff. These were suicidal swine. The devil that was in this man was a suicidal devil that was trying to get him to eventually cut his wrist enough to die. But the devil couldn't kill him. Hold on. Before he ever got delivered, before he ever saw Jesus, the devil still didn't have enough power to kill him. Can I tell somebody here tonight, if the devil could kill you, he would have already killed you. But he can't kill you. If he could kill you, you'd already be dead. But I made it to the house of the Lord. He can't kill me. God won't let him. Because I have an appointment with Jesus. He couldn't kill you if he tried. You are victorious and the devil is a liar. Stop letting the devil lie to you and tell you what he can do. If he could destroy your family, he would have already done it. If he could get you out of church, he would have already done it. If he could kill you, he would have already done it. But thanks be to God that he protected me and he watched over me and he kept me. Even when I didn't know him, he was keeping me alive. There's some ex-gang members in this house right now who can testify before I even knew God. He kept me alive. There's some ex-drug addicts in this room right now that can tell me before I ever came to church, he kept me alive. I should have died, but he kept me alive. The devil couldn't kill you before you knew Jesus. What makes you think he can kill you now? You would have already been dead. You would have already been gone. But he kept me when I couldn't keep myself. He watched over me. Yeah. All... All he needed, all he needed was a view of Jesus. That's all he needed. He was broken. He was possessed. He was the worst of the worst. We probably wouldn't let him into church. Facts. But all he needed was just to see Jesus. No message. No choir. No song service, no suit, no tie. I'm going somewhere. To, uh, we didn't have no auxiliary meetings. He didn't have no Sunday school lessons. It, no, no, no Bible study. All he needed was to see Jesus. And something happened on the inside of him.
my, my, my. He didn't need all of the stuff that we think people need today. All he needed was to get a clear view of Jesus. And I believe that the church has become so professional that we blocked the view of Jesus. All they can see is us. All they can see is our tradition and religion. All they can see is what we call church. Now, hey, listen, don't, don't get me wrong right now. I'm not coming here with a condemnation. I'm coming here with revelation. We keep telling people, you ought to come see us. We keep witnessing the people in Walmart telling them, baby, you ought to come see us. Come to my church. Come see us. You ought to come see us sometime. We keep telling folks in the park, hey, you ought to come see us sometime. We keep telling people in the gym, you ought to come see us sometime. We keep telling our family members, you ought to come see us sometime. And we got it all wrong. We need to stop telling them, come see us. And we need to do like that lady did at the well and said, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man. I don't need you to see me. I don't need you to see my suit. I don't even need you to hear my message. If you could ever see Jesus, that's all you need to see. If you can see Jesus, drugs can't hold you. If you can see Jesus, homosexuality can't hold you. If you can see Jesus, pornography can't hold you. If you can see Jesus, if I could just get you to see Jesus. Uh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. We're going to push back the veil tonight. We're going to push back the veil. Sometimes you may wonder why the P.O.P. don't do certain things. You may wonder, now down to the church, down the road, they got all this stuff they do. You may wonder sometimes, why don't the P.O.P., when we walk through the front door, why don't they give us a manual of what to do and what not to do? And why don't they break everything down for us and tell us how to live this and how to live that? And, 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 and why don't they ask us for our W-2 and you know why they not doing all this stuff and why, why we not taking communion every, every three days and why we not doing this and why we not doing that because when you go to a church that isn't interested in you seeing them but they're interested in you seeing Jesus You ought to thank God every day that you go to a church where Jesus is front and center. Not a religion, not a denomination, not a belief system, but Jesus. You need to know that Jesus died for you. You need to know that Jesus loves you. You need to know that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's all you need to know. Watch. Y'all be seated. I'm going to preach a little bit. Acts 2, 38. Repent. Be baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Y'all know that scripture. Everybody good on that. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift. 
of the Holy Ghost. Woo, that's good. But can, but, but just give me just a little chance here to take you out of Sunday school and bring you into the Bible. I'm famous at Truth Chapel, my church, for saying that all the time. Let me take you out of Sunday school. Let me take down the flannel graphs and show you exactly what's happening here. Acts 2.38 is not the message of Acts 2. It's not. I apologize if it upsets you. I know you thought it was. I know you think that the most important thing in Acts chapter 2 was that, that moment. But that's not the message. That's not, that was not Peter. We, we keep saying that Peter preached the greatest message in Acts 2, and he did. But 238 was not the message. The message was, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about, that in the last day I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. They said, these people are drunk. He said, they're not drunk like you suppose. He said, seeing it is the, but the third hour of the day. And he said, but, 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 but they're drunk off the new wine that that prophet Joel spoke about. And he said, he said, he said, he said, can I, can I preach to you a message? He said, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, verse 17 and, and, and Acts 2. He said, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and all my servants and all my handmaids I will pour out in, the, in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show you wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire vapor and smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood therefore the great and notable day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that who shall ever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved watch it ye men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth the message of Acts chapter 2 was Jesus of Nazareth. He said, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. For David spoke about him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh go down to verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is dead and he is buried and we have his grave to this day. Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn an oath unto him that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing he seeing before spake of the resurrection of Christ, uh, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Whereof ye are all witnesses, verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having, and, and having 
received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had shed forth this, which we now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus that you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's the message. The message is Jesus of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. The message was Jesus. And the Bible says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and they said, what shall we do? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 is not the message, it's the altar call. The message is Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. You know what the apostles preached? The apostles did not preach baptism. The apostles did not preach Holy Ghost. The apostles preached Jesus. And when people heard Jesus, they were baptized and they received the Holy Ghost. I haven't convinced some of you yet. That's okay. Here we go. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached. He preached Christ unto them. He went down and the people with one accord gave heed unto the things that Philip spake, hearing, seeing miracles, which he did. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't preach miracles. He preached Christ. He didn't preach miracles, Bishop. He preached Christ. When you preach Christ, you get miracles. See, I'm messing somebody's whole mind up right now. Because we keep preaching about miracles. And we don't get miracles. But if you preach Jesus, you'll get miracles. Come out. We having a miracle conference. No, baby. We need to have a Jesus conference. If we have a Jesus conference, miracles will follow. Watch this. In verse 7, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many of them that were possessed. And many were taken with palsies that were lame and were healed. And there was great Joy. <laughs> Watch this. He didn't preach healing. He didn't preach deliverance. He didn't preach devils coming out. He didn't preach joy. He preached Jesus. Here's what we have to understand as a church tonight. Is that everything that they experienced in Samaria was a byproduct of Jesus. Listen, 
we not fancy. We keep thinking that it's about us. We keep thinking that it's about some kind of doctrine or some kind of musical ability or some kind of great sound system or some kind of great lights or great website or great social media and all that is fantastic. We have it at Truth Chapel. I love it. I believe in it. We ought to have it. We ought to be the nicest church in the city. We ought to be the, 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 the happiness thing on the, on the block. Absolutely. But let me tell you the difference between this church and the next church is we major on the person of Jesus Christ. That's why when you come into the church, one of the first things we do is get you to understand the doctrine of the church and where it came from so you can understand that the Jesus that people try to put into the Trinity is not... He's not Jesus Jr. He's not the third dude in the God Squad. It pleased God that the fullness of the Godhead would be in him. We try to get you to understand that Jesus is Lord of all. That Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the key. Jesus. And if we preach Jesus, we get healing. If we preach Jesus, we get deliverance. If we preach Jesus... Oh, hallelujah. I got about 17 more people to convince. The Bible, I don't have time to read it, but in Acts chapter 8, the Bible says that the whole city was baptized. Even the witch got baptized. He didn't preach baptism. He preached Jesus. He preached unto them Christ. And when he preached Christ, they all got baptized. Oh, yeah. And then God spoke to them and said, hey, leave Samaria. Leave this great revival that you started here. They brought in Peter and John. Peter and John laid hands on them, and they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost, a byproduct of Christ. If you want the Holy Ghost in this church like you've never experienced the Holy Ghost before, you ought to major on the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is the key. Christ is the message. It's always been about Christ. It's always been about Jesus. So Philip leaves his great revival in Samaria, and he goes out into the desert. And he's walking in the desert thinking, my God, I just had a great revival. Why couldn't I stay with that church? The tithing was fantastic. I could have stayed in Samaria for the rest of my ministry. And now I'm out here in the middle of nowhere in this desert. And he sees the chariot coming. And he's not really interested. But when the chariot passes him, he can hear inside the chariot someone reading the book of Isaiah. And the Bible says that he... Sped up and caught up with the chariot. Whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? And it was an Ethiopian eunuch. And he said, how could I understand unless I have somebody to show me? And in Acts chapter 8 and verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him. Jesus. That's all he preached was Jesus. My God. 
<laughs> the same message that he preached in Samaria was the same message he preached in the desert. The same message that he preached to thousands was the same message that he preached to one. Watch it, watch it. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip did not preach baptism. He preached Jesus. But when he preached Jesus, the eunuch said, I got to be baptized. Are you seeing it now? Are you seeing it? Salvation is a byproduct of the message of Jesus Christ. When I saw you, I was still bound. When I saw you, I was still wounded. When I saw you, I was no better. But when I saw Jesus, when I saw your sign, I said, that's cool. When I heard your music, I said, man, it sounds good. When I heard your preaching, I said, that's some good word. But when I saw Jesus, addiction fell off of me. When I saw Jesus, I said, I need to get baptized. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, yeah. The apostles weren't like us. In our church culture today, we major on the protocol. Here's the protocol. Repent of your sins. Listen, let me make this very clear. There is only, only one protocol. Only one. One, 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 one way to God. Baptized. Jesus' name. Okay, there's only one protocol. Here's the protocol. Repent of your sins. That's the death. Be baptized in Jesus' name. That's the burial. Be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the resurrection. That's the gospel. Listen, hearing the gospel is good news. Obeying that gospel is salvation. How do I obey? The Bible said that we obey the gospel. How do I obey the death, the burial, and resurrection? I repent of my sins. I am buried with him in baptism. And I am raised to new life through the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the same spirit that raised him from the grave is the same spirit that's going to raise us out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only one protocol. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him, but one protocol. All right, here we go. Our problem is we've majored on the protocol and stopped talking about the person. The apostles majored on the person and they got protocol. I got 10 more people to convince. Acts chapter 10. The Bible says Cornelius came. He was a member of the, of the mafia. Yeah, read it, Acts chapter 10. The Bible says he was, he was, a, he was mafioso, la familia. He does. It says, it says Cornelius was a member of the Italian band. Bruh, we all know what the Italian band is. <laughs> Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. We all know. 
who the Italian band is. Okay. You're coming to my house. The day of my daughter's wedding. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You got to be old to, to understand what I'm talking about right now. Jesus. Jesus wakes up Peter. So I want you to go down here, preach to Cornelius. But Peter is a racist. Oh, y'all didn't know that God used racist? Y'all thought racism was the unforgivable sin. We, we, we hashtag canceling people. Thank God he didn't hashtag cancel Peter. Mm, I'll, let, I'll let that just sink in deep into the spirit for a while. Peter's got a problem with the Italians. He don't like it. He says, go down there and preach to him. He said, Cornelius is a good man. He's perfect. He gives alms. He prays. And he says, I told him to come find you to, so that you could show him what he ought to do. That's what, this what, the, this what the, Bible, the Bible said. That, that The angel came down to Cornelius and said, go find Peter. He will tell you what to do. He's praying. He's giving alms to the poor. He's a great man. The Bible calls him upright. What do you mean what I got to do? I don't care how good you are. You still need the protocol. Oh, y'all don't want to talk back to the preacher tonight. Just because you're a good old boy don't mean you're going to heaven. Well, I don't do nothing wrong now. Don't drink, don't smoke. I don't, I don't tell you right now, don't curse. I don't do, I'm, I'm a good person. Well, you still got to be repent of your sins, be baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, Cornelius was a great guy. But God said, go down there. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. So he tells Peter, go down there and preach to him. Go down there and preach to that family. Tell them what they ought to do. So here comes Peter. And we expect Peter to go down there and tell them what they ought to do. But let me tell you what Peter preaches in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. He said, let me tell you how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all they that were oppressed of the devil for God was in him and we are witnesses of all the things that he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hung on a tree him God raised up the third day are you, are, are you hearing that, G, that Peter is preaching the gospel through the name of Jesus Christ and showed him openly not to all the people but unto witnesses chosen before God even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he which is ordained to be God of the judge of God and judge of the quick and dead to him give all the prophets witness and through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. He was a good man. He prayed. He did everything right. He was a good person. But when he saw Jesus, he was filled with the Holy Ghost instantly. He come from a good family, but when he saw Jesus, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost instantly. Jesus is still the answer for the world today. <laughs> yeah. 
It's Jesus. Always been Jesus. Always going to be Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is still the answer. He is that one and only God. <laughs> raised up from the dead he is righteous he sits on the right hand he is the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth that Jesus that same Lord that same Jesus that died on that tree he got up somebody say he got up he ascended into heaven he is now Lord and Savior. He is now King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is now Prince of Peace and fairest of 10,000. Uh, I'm almost finished. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says that he is the image of the invisible God. I'm sorry, but I didn't give you that scripture. Colossians 1.15, you ought to remember this scripture. You ought to memorize it. Colossians 1.15, that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the image. Now, now that word there in the original is not image. The, that word there in the original is icon, I-K-O-N, that he is the icon of the invisible God. Now we don't really know too much about I-K-O-N. But we know a whole lot about I-C-O-N. The icon. Colossians 1 and 5. He says Jesus is the icon of the invisible God. We don't really know. Too much about the I-K-O-N, but we know all about the I-C-O-N because we live in a society of icons. Yeah. I got me an icon here. It says, photos. Anybody got any icons with you? Do you have an icon in your pocket? Do you have an icon in your purse? Yeah, some of y'all got 10 icons, 20 icons, a bazillion icons. Yeah, I got a bunch right here under games. Look at games. This is my kids. All these games on my iPad. Because we understand icons. And we understand that that's the icon for photos. It's just one thing. But if I push it, Praise the Lord. Look at all of these photos. Oh, my goodness. Look at all of these photos. All these photos came from one icon. Some of y'all getting it right now. You're getting it. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the icon. Of something much bigger. He's one thing. But he's many things. For it pleased God. That the fullness of the Godhead bodily would dwell in him. He is the icon of the invisible God. So when you say Jesus. 
that ain't but one word. But when you say Jesus, you say King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. When you say Jesus, you say Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom. When you say Jesus, you say Healer, you say Mighty God. When you say Jesus, you say Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai. When you say Jesus, you say he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel when you say Jesus. All I did was push the icon, but when it opened up, it opened up my life. It saved my marriage. It brought my family back together. When I said Jesus, it broke my addiction. It set me free. It delivered my soul. It brought me out of the miry clay. When I said Jesus, you ought to shout it right now, for there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus cancer is broken at the name of Jesus COVID's broken at the name of Jesus the devils have to flee at the name of Jesus every chain in your life has to let go somebody shout Jesus Somebody shout Jesus. He's the stone that the builders rejected. I ran to the mountain and the mountain stood by me. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't. They tried to shut him up, but they couldn't. They tried to put him in the ground, but they couldn't. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus, it's why we're here. It's why we're in the building. Jesus. There's nobody like him. There's nobody beside him. He said, I, even I, stretch forth my hand, and there is no God beside me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. Jesus. If you have addiction tonight, Jesus can fix it. If you got changed tonight, Jesus can fix it. Do you see Him? Can you see Him? You don't have to be perfect. If you can just see him. If you can just see him. Do you see him? Okay, look past me. Look past me. My God, I pray tonight that I would decrease. Uh, and I pray that he would increase. Uh, look past me. Uh, look past the suit. Uh, look past the preacher and see Jesus. My goal tonight is for you to see Jesus. Do you see him with outstretched arms and with an open heart saying, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus. Don't look past him. Don't look past him. Don't look past him tonight. The only thing that can block your view of Jesus is you. Watch. This altar is about to be open, but listen to me one, one time. Jesus, in his most divine view, okay, listen to me. The most divine view of Jesus is not him in the white robe with the eyes of fire, the white hair. That's not the most divine view of Jesus. The most divine view of Jesus is him hanging on that cross. The most divine view of Jesus is the thorns pushed into his brow, hanging. That is the most divine view of him. The most divine view of him is in his greatest suffering. This is what Paul said. He said, oh, that I may know you, not in your glory. He said that I may know you, watch, he, watch what he said. He said that I may know you in the power of your might. Okay, watch. Might is power, right? To know him in his power is might. When I know him, I'm strengthened by his might. But watch what Paul says. Watch what he finishes. He says that I may know him in the fellowship of his. Watch it. Watch it. Are you ready? Might is power. Suffering is fellowship. In my strength, I know him in his strength. But in my suffering is where I really get to see him. Because his most divine view is on that cross. Watch it. And the two people closest to him in his most divine moment, one of them could only see his problems. He said, if you are who you say you are, save yourself, and while you at it, save me. He couldn't see him. He was so close to the most divine moment of humanity, and he missed it because he was focused on his problems. If the man in the tomb would have been focused on the broken chains, if the man in the tomb would have been focused on his dirty body, the man in the tombs would have been ashamed because of his nakedness. That man in the tomb would have stayed in the tomb because he didn't want Jesus to see him for what he was. He would have missed his opportunity because he was so focused on what was wrong with him. But there was another man who was there hanging beside him in his most divine moment. And he said, Lord, 
You don't deserve it, but I do. Do you see the repentance in that? Do you see the gospel in this moment? He said, this man has done nothing, and we are worthy of our punishment. I am broken. I am wounded. He, he humbled himself. Listen, he accepted his failures. The other guy focused on his failures. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my God, my God. This guy was humble about his wrongdoings. The other guy was arrogant and said, save yourself so you can save me. I didn't, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm, oh, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. They did me wrong. They cheated on me. He's still blaming everybody but himself. Save yourself and save me. But the other guy, he sees Jesus for who he is. Innocent, guiltless, blameless. He sees the lamb. And he says, Lord, would you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? Just, just remember me. I'm not worthy of anything else other than be thought of by you. Here's what you have to see when you see Jesus. When you see Jesus hanging on that cross, here's what you have to see. You have to see you on his mind. That when he was on the cross, he was thinking about me. When I see him, I also see me. And I see that what he's doing is for me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today. <laughs> no, no altar call. No choir. No oil. Just me and Jesus. He says, today. You're going to be with me in paradise. You're going to walk with me today, son. Why? Because he saw him. Some of you have already put away the picture of Jesus because you're too focused on what you're going to go home to tonight. You've already put the picture away of Jesus because you're too focused on the major issues that you have in your life. You've already put away the picture of Jesus because you're so focused on your shortcomings and your issues and your problems. And you got to look past it. You have to, instead of focus on it, accept it. I'm worthy of everything I've gotten. But Jesus, you were guiltless. You took the fall. And you thought of me above all. And when you see him like that, when you see him, you can run out of the tomb before Jesus ever walked out of the tomb. There was a demoniac man that came out of the tomb first. 
When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he wasn't the first one to walk out of the tomb. <laughs> he had already been delivering people from the tombs. The tomb had already, the tomb already knew what it was like to lose somebody. Lazarus came out of the tomb. The demoniac man came out of the tomb. And when Jesus came out of the tomb, what he was saying to you was, come on out of the tomb. Come out of the tomb of brokenness. Come out of the tomb of woundedness. Come out of the tomb of despair and uselessness come out of that tomb come out uh, into his marvelous light uh, step out into the sun again uh, step out into the sun again and see him afar off I know he's a long ways away I know you got a bunch of problems uh, but if you can just glimpse him afar off if you could just see him just a small glimmer of him tonight can change your life forever I was buried beneath my shame. Come on, let's speed it up. Speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. Who could carry that kind of faster of weight? Hey, it was my tomb. Till I met you. Hey, and I was breathing but not alive hey. and all my failures I tried to hide hey. it was my tomb Jesus till I met you hey. you call my name say it Listen, 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 listen. All over this room right now. All over this room right now. We're going to pray together. And God's about to deliver some folks. But here's what I need you to do. Do not, in these next few moments, do not focus on your problem. And just, just do me a favor. I know how we come to the altar. We come to the altar with our problems. We come to the altar with our needs. We come to the altar... Focusing on everything that's been wrong, done wrong, felt wrong. Oh, we, we, that's what we do. We come to the altar. And, and we're focusing on what we, God, God, I want you to make this right. God, I want you to make this whole. We're thinking about people. We're thinking about situations. It's common. That's, that's who we are. That's what we do. That's, that's the mindset that we have. We come to the altar and we focus on what we need God to fix what we need God to do. Tonight, we're going to do something different. Tonight, we're going to not think about any of that. Tonight, we're going to think about him. All we're going to think about is Jesus. We're going to focus our attention on him. We're going to say, Jesus, show me your face. Come on. I need you to pray that prayer. Jesus, show me your face. Jesus, show me your glory. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see you in my family. I want to see you in my home. I want to see you in my situations. Come on, let's do that right now. 
Come on, focus on him. We love to Come on, I want to focus on him. your name in something. Focus on Jesus right. Focus on Jesus right. Focus on Jesus right. Your great name. Come on, put your mind on him. Put your mind on him. Put your mind on him. Call your name. Put your mind on him. over every situation you're facing. You ought to speak that name over everything in your life that's broken. You ought to speak that name. God, I speak it over my children. God, I speak your name over my brokenness. God, I speak that name over every wound. I speak that name over my church. I speak that name Chain has to break. 
speak it, speak it. Every chain has to break. Healing has to come. Healing has to come. Jesus. 